Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Starfield Lorecast. It's been a little while. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with my good buddy, Dave Chaffins of the internet. Dave, how you doing, It's buddy? been a while. It's been a while, man. We've got, we got stuff to talk about. We do. It's, I feel like we launched this show so early and we had all those speculation episodes and all of these other things. There's a little bit of speculation going on in this episode, but we definitely have more stuff to talk about. We're gearing up for the big... Bethesda meeting the reveal that maybe we're going to get more stuff on June <laughs> the grand 12th. Bethesda showcase. The come showcase. one, come all. Yeah, so that's coming up soon. So thank you for tuning in, everybody. Welcome back. This is still going to be a show about the, the, the you know the information that we have, the leaks, the rumors, the news, and all of that. But as we get closer and closer to launch, Dave and I are very excited to delve more into the lore. So make sure that you stick around for after launch and that's man it's just months away at this point dave what are we gonna do on uh june 12th what do you think we should do for the uh, official showcase i've been thinking about this uh for it when it was announced i thought for maybe two seconds about this and i decided that we should uh we should uh live stream react to uh the june 12th showcase and immediately after record an episode of the starfield lorecast mm-hmm. because tom robots radio I'm not, the I'm not Xbox robots logo radio. Okay, in the, in the in the uh, in the announcement is in space. It's in space. It would be silly for them to have a big event and then not talk about the game that they're about to launch in a few months, especially when Bethesda has done exactly the same pattern for all of their major releases over like the last decade plus. So I think we're going to get some more information, we're probably going to see some gameplay. We're going to get a bunch of stuff. And the reaction footage is just going to be close ups of both of our mouths salivating which makes for great content. I love a drooly dog, Tom. <laughs> we'll bring in some dogs. We'll just surround ourselves with drooly dogs while we all oh, celebrate. Yeah. Salivate, celebrate, celebrate, sal- I just combined those two words. That's weird. So <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so welcome back, everybody. So let's get into it. We've got some we've got some stuff to talk about. First thing I want to talk about before we get to the leaks and the news is a post that was recently shared on Reddit by Foken Gamesman, it's actually spelled that way, Foken Gamesman, um, who did a, a wonderful calculation here for the number of days since the announcement to launch and a bunch of other data. So I just want I just want to do a little bit of 
hyping us up in recollection here as we as we move forward. So this was posted yesterday. And as of yesterday, today is the third. This is posted on the 2nd of May. Um, it says 1,422 days since announcement, only 193 days until launch. So as of today, that would be 192 that's it's coming it's coming it still seems like a long time but mm-hmm. it should get here it's you know it's not that long when you think about it that's what i'm doing i'm thinking about it well pending the you know the heat death of the universe hits us first which probably isn't likely um mm. but who knows stars things like that space happens um but then also <laughs> he posted uh they posted uh, it has now been uh, so 1422 days since the announcement that which is four years ago 193 days until the launch, which is again 11, 11, 22. So six months and nine days or eight days as of today. So just about half a year away. 42 days until the Xbox Bethesda showcase. So that's 41 days from now because that's on June 12th. So just over a month. I feel like that's going to come and go real fast. Now get this. this these are where the numbers get really interesting. 3,328 days since Bethesda filed their trademark application. This was over nine years ago that they nine? started. Yeah, that they started like putting things in motion for this game. Where were you nine years ago, Dave? <laughs> nine years ago. Uh, let's see. What that was I doing? 2013. Um, the, the PlayStation 4 had just come out. Oh, my God. I had gotten the PlayStation four and I think the Xbox one came out as well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. This, okay. This man, this is, yeah. Nine years is a long time. And then the last, the last one here, over 5,887 days since Todd Howard put the idea of Starfield on paper. He started dreaming this up over 16 years ago, as far as we know. 16 years that would be in like <clears throat> what 2006 2006 yeah wow. i would be um let's see let me let me let me age myself i am would be 13 <laughs> at that time wow and okay. i would be um so 16 because i'm 29 so 16 years ago uh-huh. i was 27 uh, i would be writing i would be so. writing space comics that is also something i did when i was 13 about two characters named uh james and dave with my buddy james <laughs> Um, cool. a really creative, you know, cool. deep role playing characters in space. But yeah, this was before Fallout 3. I believe at this time uh, was a, Oblivion was out. Mm-hmm. I was playing Oblivion. Elder Scrolls Oblivion. That's what and I was that was a game changer. Ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I don't know that I would have at that time had any concept of what we're about to experience with Starfield. So, yeah, so nope. fun stuff, fun stuff to put out there. But um, Dave, let's talk about the music of Starfield of the Starfield. We had a new video that Bethesda put out another one of these kind of behind the scenes videos. Um, <clears throat> what are your impressions of, of this? We had, we got to meet Mr. Uh, Einan Zur. Is that his name? Einan Zur. Yeah. Einan Zur. I never know how to pronounce it. I, I don't names. know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, he's been doing, he's been doing Bethesda music uh, for fallout four, fallout 76, um, I'm pretty sure he did Fallout 3 in New Vegas as well. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. Um, Jeremy Sewell is the one who's done Elder Scrolls. Right. And then he had point. some issues and they had to not work with him anymore. So we're not going to talk about that. But this uh, <laughs> Mr. Zur fellow seems uh, much more 
above board. Um, so yeah, so we got to see into the Starfield episode three, the sound of adventure. And, um, the thing that I thought was most notable about this, and these are quick little videos. They give us a little bit of taste of things. We've heard some of the music that's been released already, but the insight we got was from a conversation between him and, um, another gentleman whose name I don't recall right now, who also was in charge of a lot of the sound and the sound design of the game. And they were discussing what he kind of goes through in the process of coming up with music for the game. And when he was discussing the theme music, he was talking about how the theme begins and then travels somewhere else and then returns to the original notes that they're used. The, the, the actual loop of the music is representative of what we're going to be doing in the game. We're going to be exploring space and then returning home. And I don't know if that gives us any real insight into the main storyline or anything. We're going to have to wait to find out about that. But the fact that that was kind of the inspiration there and the seed that grew the rest of this wonderful music is really cool to hear about. I think it's interesting if you go back and I've spent a lot of time um, uh, writing uh, and working to the music of Fallout 76 and Fallout 4. Um, some of the instrumentation that he uses, I think is very interesting when he plays music for, uh, for factions. Generally there is, if it's a faction based storyline, he uses a particular instrument for that. Um, a lot of nature scenes use like acoustic guitars. Um, I know the brotherhood of steel in, in fallout, he uses, um, kind of like orchestral tubas and trombones. Like they are from this, like mm, more royal this, and this power, yeah, powerful. Uh, the, yeah. the timpani for it. Uh, and, and like that's stuff I notice when I go to the movies and, and yeah. uh, or watching a TV show, it's like characters have themes. And then like when two characters are talking together, the themes kind of mash together. He uses that in his previous fallout music. So I feel like that there's, as we'll play the game, there's going to be, I think some hidden things that we're going to be able to discern based on the cues of the music and, uh, and what that means in relationships to the characters and the factions. Yeah. So that, that gets me thinking about, you know, what, what do the raiders out in space sound like? You know, like uh, uh, what do these do different planets have themes? Do different cities that you visit have themes? Um, how does that play into it? And I'm sure that he's thought through all of this because that's his that's his job. But <laughs> yep. it, it makes it makes it you know exciting to kind of think about that. Like you're right; these are things that you notice when you pay attention to movies. Um, but if you're not actively paying attention they subconsciously draw you into the characters and the feeling of what's going on M music is so wonderful in games because it really is that like direct connection to our emotions that mm -hmm. really pulls our feelings out when we're, we're watching or doing something so i'm excited I'm about it i'm curious how i'm curious in, in talking and listening to this to this video how he's going to utilize motion um in a lot in a lot of shows uh there's there's generally a things are moving theme um mm. it seems like there's going to be a lot of movement in starfield you're going to move in starfield that's the big leak today um <laughs> you're going to be traveling <laughs> be a lot in of space <laughs> surprise yes. uh there's going to be a lot of that and so uh in um uh, a lot of television shows generally they'll attach a character theme to the movement theme mm. so that both are kind of like this character is progressing, but also like you're physically progressing as well. Right. Um, so like a space that. travel theme, something yeah. like that we'll get. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know what? I bet there's a lot of people out there who are going to do these comparisons to things like star Wars and star Trek and even the music of like Dune, which came out recently. 
Um, that's all we have. That's all we have. Those are the only space shows we ever have. (laughs) No, but that's all we, that's all we have from like our perspective of like analysis, because we haven't, we haven't played the game yet Mm -hmm. and really haven't seen it, you know, that much of the game already. And so like we have, we have to go off of examples that we already have. Right. But that's, that's my, my point here is that that's like, that's tough stuff to be compared to. You know, when you're designing the music for something like Skyrim, then chances are people are going to be comparing you to a bunch of other video games. And that's kind of at this at a certain level. Right. Mm -hmm. But doing something as epic as Starfield and the music for Starfield and then drawing comparisons to some of the most, I don't know, amazing space and sci fi movies we've ever had, because games have progressed to that point where they're like playing a movie in a lot of cases. That's a lot to live up to. I'm sure there's got to be some pressure there. Yeah. And I'm curious because like the, the music from Bethesda games kind of reverberates off of the genre that it's going like if you listen to literally any like D&D actual play podcast, they are going to play music from Skyrim. Like that is like <laughs> right, that is right. a guarantee that they are going to play music from Skyrim uh, post apocalyptic, like soundtracks and everything. And that whole vibe, like the soundscape of that it, it has kind of like permeated out to the, anything that's like post apocalyptic in that like similar style that takes a lot from that. So I, I'm curious of where people have been before what they're going to add to that mix and, and how that's going to compare against uh a lot of these other properties. Yeah. Well, it's clearly a big important thing because as we know, they start with the music very early in the design of the world and the game and all of that. Just like um you, you start with like early art sketches of what you want the world to look like and the places you go. The music is absolutely a core part of the experience and and you can tell that from their other titles, especially with how I don't know, epic and important the music is, how unforgettable it really is a foundation for it. So this will be exciting. I'm looking to forward to hearing more. But tell you what, why don't we move on to discuss the the big leak that came out this last week? If you haven't, if you've been like in a hole somewhere, you haven't been paying attention to the Internet. There was some news. Uh, a previous character artist for Bethesda decided to post publicly about some information and more or less other people have confirmed that this person is legit. They seem like they say who they, they are, who they say they are. Also, I would lawyer up because <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they were under NDA and they can't say certain things and whoops. Um, but at least for our benefit, we get a little bit of insight in here. And so here, I'm going to read mm-hmm. the thing and, and Dave, tell me, tell me what you think about this after, after yeah. I read through it. So this was the post that this is the key information of what the post says. Um, They wrote, it was cool, solid place to work, very secure. And then they talk about the engine, the end, the game engine. The engine is a piece of crap, though, (laughs) which we know that they've been updating the engine and that can mean all sorts of things. But I'll move on. Todd is a charismatic guy for sure. Starfield is looking good. Weekly Thursday playtests since the beginning of the year. More and more stuff coming online. Shooting feels all right. Flying is terrible at the moment. Just not fun to me. Lighting and stuff is looking better and better, though it's not on the level of HFW, which I believe is Horizon the Forbidden West, Forbidden West the new Horizon game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and anything like that, but still a good looking game. In terms of it, uh, if it will ship on time, well, they will try for sure. They cut what they did to et cetera. 
They have an overabundance of content, probably too much, so that's not the issue. Finding the fun and, of course, bug fixing is the big thing. It's a sexy date, though, and you only get one of those, meaning 11, 11, 22. Beta is this summer. That's when the picture will truly become clear. So let's pull this apart because there's definitely things to discuss here. So first of all, the engine is a piece of crap. <laughs> what do you think about that? Um, I think that is a... It, this post is laden with opinion as well as it seems like details. Um, yes. I think that the engine, the engine is not as clean as a lot of other, like the, the creation engine one. I have no idea what creation engine two looks like. Um, yeah. It's yeah. not as clean as others, but th if I know Todd Howard and I know what like Todd Howard is revered for in the gaming industry, it's building systems. Uh, they're going to be creating an engine that can handle more systems uh, that that's the whole reason i think you do a second engine is because your first one uh cannot handle the amount of systems that you're trying to put into a game um, and the modern then the modern things that you know current consoles and pcs can do yeah. you want to upgrade yeah, 4k for all that stuff as well. you know 60 fps that kind of stuff right um so i think that you're gonna like there's gonna be there's gonna be bugs in a bethesda game of course. I've got, I mean, all the systems run into each other and wacky stuff is going to happen. That's just kind of how it goes. Also, right. we have to remember the source of the information. This person is a character artist. This person is not a coder, a programmer, mm -hmm. somebody working on the engine itself. So what they might be seeing from their side of the office, quote unquote, mm -hmm. is stuff that affects their designing of characters in an engine that is continually being upgraded and updated. So... Of course, over the years while it work, it's, it's like trying to it's try, like trying to upgrade your car while also driving it at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a bumpy ride, right? Mm -hmm. Like at some point you have to pull the tires off. How does that work? You know, so I, I think that we have to kind of take this worth a grain of with a grain of salt, worth a grain with a grain of salt in order to just be like, well, we'll see once it launches what that actually means. Right. And what is and what is engine being a piece of crap mean? So like, like does that mean uh, uh, bad in terms of accessibility, bad in terms of performance, uh, you know, bad in comparison to the last engine bad? It, it seems like right. the, they're holding other games in regard from the reference to Horizon. Um, so uh, I'll take that with a grain of with a grain of salt. Uh, it seems like that there's going to be shooting. You're going to shoot something. Well, uh, imagine if you that. Listen to, right? If you listen to previous episodes, of Starfield Lorecast, we identified the gun, uh, <laughs> that was, that was on the table in the teaser trailer. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, but I didn't want to talk about this flying being terrible at the moment. Um, space flight is so different based on what universe you're living in, what kind of ship you're doing and mm -hmm. what you, that like, Rogue Squadron 2 is a Star Wars game where you fly an X-Wing. That's one of the best like space flight games I've played, but that is like from a you're a jet. You can turn on a dime you, too. Right. Like you turn on a dime. Like right. you were in a fighter pilot, like you were going fast. It's right. like really arcadey and yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not the expanse where you have like, you know, hundreds of you know meters per second of momentum and all of a sudden you have to change directions. Um so flying is terrible. Does that mean it's and this? I think this is where you're going, right? Does it mean if that's actually the playing of the game part? Is it the engine part that's terrible? Is flying just difficult and now they're trying to dial it in? 
it's 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 hard to say because we haven't seen anything we haven't seen anything take off the ground they say it's in space we have not seen a ship fly <laughs> we haven't ever, yeah we i mean really we haven't seen much in-game anything we know that the cinematic stuff was done with in-game elements but we haven't actually right. seen gameplay so right. and and that's what this specific line has everybody all hyped about is the big question of are we are we going to be manually flying things in space or will we be and we've talked about this previously too will we just be like traveling from one planet to another a la like mass effect do you just choose the planet to go to you know kotor and then you just go to the planet or is it actually moving through space from one place to another like and and if you are doing that the scope of that seems wide open like that's a lot bigger. Now we're talking like many other games that deal with that who <laughs> like I don't know. There's I don't know. There's a lot to say there. There's there's only one I forgot what the name. It had Star Fox and it was on the Nintendo Switch and essentially like you were uh, you were a, the fighter pilot and you had various planets in the solar system and it was 3D. Um and, and so you could like be on the planet, fly around like you would in a normal like dog fighting game, but you could also like hyperspace yourself up oh, in the space. Like the gummy ship what? in uh um Yeah, k- k- kind that, of that Mickey in Mouse Kingdom Hearts fantasy Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan. I'll wear that on my sleeve. I hope I this care. isn't the gummy ship. <laughs> I, yeah, we're just flying gummy ships. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I but think it seems this, like you are manually flying something. Yeah, I think this is going to be more like Elite Dangerous, at least with it saying that this is kind of what's going. I, I have mm-hmm. a sense that you like you probably land in dock. You, you, you get back up. You make it off a planet. And then you choose another place to go and you engage some sort of hyperdrive. And then yeah, you get close like, to the next planet and then you manually land on the planet again. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think that's, I think that's probably the, the idea, like, um, uh, no man's sky, another game kind of like that. But yeah. The flying is very similar. Right. Right. Yeah. I think maybe we're in that, in that range. Now let's talk about the lighting, lighting and stuff. It's looking better and better though. If not, it's not on the level of horizon. Well, so first of all, every time Sony puts out a first party title, on their newest hardware, they absolutely lean into everything that they can eke out of that system. And go my, my if you crap. want an example of this outside of even the popular stuff, go look at Killzone Mercenary, which is not a good game. It is <laughs> yeah. not a great game and at the all. Red glowing eye bad guys that, that look like Nazis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. If you look at that on when it released, it was one of the release games on PlayStation Four. It's still the best looking shooter I've played. Um, it just wow. looks awesome, uh, and it is not that great, but it looks, <laughs> but it so looks good. cool. Yeah. Um, I think the, I think a great example I think now is um, uh, Elden Ring, of a game that is graphically like on par it's with fine. It's good. modern AAA stuff, but yeah. it is not uh, I think the level of detail that you would get from a Horizon, um, I'm trying to think of other big like yeah, God of War, like even that. when God, God of, of War, War came out for yeah. the last generation, like they, they right. obviously pushed the envelope, that game still looks amazing, and lo- right. would look good on a current, a new current gen system. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, right. But that, that's that's the thing is that that's not a fair comparison because right. Horizon is designed for one console and can lean into all that that console has. This is a game that's designed in an engine that's supposed to work on everything. And like like you said, Elden Ring, you can play it on everything. The graphics aren't as high of a, of a level, but right. it doesn't matter because if the game is freaking awesome, then I would rather be doing awesome freaking stuff in a game that's slightly less graphically interesting than something right. that looks. And, and I haven't played the New Horizon. I like the old one. I haven't played the new one. This isn't a commentary on that being good or not. Right. But it's if fine. you have to pick one time. or the other, <laughs> right? If you have to, if you have to give something up because you're launching something across multiple cons, you know, Xbox and PC. And then wherever else they decide to put this in the future, you know, your toaster, this will be the next Skyrim, right? Your t- yes. <laughs> then, On your TV fridge and your your ring doorbell. Yeah. Then there's some balance there. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're right about that. And I th- like it, it to me, like graphics like matter in like a fidelity of like, am I like able to immerse myself? Like Skyrim mm-hmm. still looks good. If you just like play oh, Skyrim, yeah. like the vistas and that still look great. Um, but Breath of the Wild, one of the one of the best games of of you know this millennia, um, is a really simple game. Like it looks very simple. Everything is very like uh, cartoony and and kind of not necessarily yeah. low poly, but like that cell shaded style. Right. Um, and that's one of the best games ever. So I don't, I don't think that. I think people get confused um, or I get like, confused as far as like a quality game being like really graphically impressive as opposed to just like a good, like great game. Yeah. So, yeah. Two thoughts on that one. There's kind of a minimum standard that you have to hit for it to feel like, OK, it's a modern game. Right. And two, mm-hmm. the art design is always more important than the fidelity of the graphics, because yeah, a game true. with awesome art design will look good forever. Whereas a game that just pushes the envelope on graphics, if it, if they neglect the art design of the world, will eventually look like garbage as we move on. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's my two cents on that. Um, now, they also mentioned that there's an overabundance of content, probably too much. So that's not the issue. It's just finding fun and, of course, bug fixing. So first of all, obviously, they're fixing bugs. That's what you do the, the ramp up to to launch on any game. You, you polish the crap out of it, right? You try and get rid of as many bugs as you can. So, yes, clearly that's a thing. Um, finding the fun, that sounds like another polish thing, right? Let's make the guns gunplay feel as good as possible. Let's make the gameplay loop work as well as possible because they're no longer designing the world. They're no longer writing the stories. They're just making, they're just dialing in the settings. The stuff that makes you go, man, this game feels awesome. I want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense to me as well. And the fact that they have an overabundance of content totally makes sense because if they're going to be releasing this game, they're going to be following up with DLCs with, you know, 
some sort of expansions and the game is as big as it seems like it's going to be and they're expecting this to be the the game that carries or a game that carries on for at least another decade with people modding it and continuing to play it i mean we still go back and play fallout 3 you know like that's still a (laughs) game that people are going back and playing today and this game's probably gonna have way more content than what's in fallout 3 so all of that sounds actually expected to me I don't think there's a surprise in that sentence. I think the pe- I think one thing that the the gaming and, and I say this like the gaming community. Uh, I, I think a lot of people that are in game development are looking for smaller niche focused experiences. Um, uh, you know, like uh, God of War is another example. It's like that is like you're on a path that you were doing your thing. It is like focused on just these things and you're just doing this. So you're like really on the two characters in that game where this is like, this is a different like ball game. You don't get a lot of games like these that are these huge, like Bethesda makes expansive games, huge worlds. Like they are in the business of world building. They're not in the the business of like a like super duper, like hardcore narrative driven experience. There's a narrative there, there's stuff Mm -hmm. there, but it's more about, okay, here's the tools. Here's the narrative that we've set up for you and go find your fun, like go do your thing. Right. And I think, I think when they're looking at, you know, they're looking at finding the fun and bug fixing. I think to me that says that there is fun there. They're just figuring out a way to like get players like access to that fun and making them be like, Oh yeah, that's fun. Which I think was one of the main problems with fallout 76 on launch was there was fun stuff there to do. Right. It was just impossible to, to like figure that out if you weren't like really like digging into it um where's the game balance where's the you know is it possible to find better cool unique items in a pace that actually makes sense for how fast you're leveling through the game you know are you getting cool abilities are you upgrading your ship are you doing all of that stuff is it happening in a in a pace in an order that is that creates that loop. This is the reason why Skyrim is so enjoyable today is that the, the gameplay loop on a micro to a macro level is so well done the, the, from a micro level of just here's a cave i'm going to explore it get through the cave fight things find what's in the cave get out now i have slightly better gear i've got a little bit more knowledge about the world maybe i found something that ties to some other quest that i've been doing and then now that that bigger loop plays into it and now you're connecting back to the bigger loop of the quests and the other things going on the way right. all of that ties together happens at a pace that is and and with the re-release of skyrim again this is going back a few months ago it's something that i was very much reminded of jumping back into that game is that's what's so appealing i mean it's an awesome world there's all sorts of cool stuff elder scrolls is great but from a gameplay perspective that loop is so good it's so well done and when you haven't done it for a while and you go back and do it again you go oh my god yeah no they really nailed this this gameplay loop so I, i think that's probably what he's talking about here or they they're talking i'm assuming it's a male but it might not be um what they're talking about here i agree i agree i'm with you on that yeah so well it looks like we'll be getting a beta this summer i don't know what that means maybe it's a limited time beta maybe you don't through so much i don't know about that that terminology because that could mean it goes into beta phase internal for internal use um generally for single player stuff like you're not gonna put out a public unless you're doing um uh, like fallout 76 had the public test server right um right which i, I don't think played well <laughs> i don't think that played well in their marketing for them uh because mm-hmm. it was a little it was a little rough um and I, I i think that it'll be in beta phase probably this summer and people it'll just be like here's the game let's 
Just Fix play the crap out of it and, and dial it in. Yeah. Yep. So that sounds about right. But otherwise, I you know, I, I'm not too surprised by this. I think the big news is the, the flying that we're going to do a little bit more actual hands on flying, which is cool. We are finally getting vehicles in a Bethesda game that you're actually piloting around. Seems like a cool idea. Do you think that they'll have some hands on stuff uh, when they do the uh, the big showcase? Do you think that there'll be anything hands on that people could play? Well, uh, because their big thing, their big thing that, that Microsoft is touting, because it's not just I have to remind myself, it's not just a Bethesda thing anymore. It's a Microsoft and Bethesda thing. And this is their this is Microsoft's big flagship now, like, you yeah. know, big flagship spaceship. Um, <laughs> yes. So, like, are they going to be I know that uh, you can do um, if they did it from like the cloud, like that would be easy for people from like a remote event. Like, I'm curious if they're going to have it in a playable state where they could have people play a portion of it. I don't know. That's I mean, it takes a lot of time away from other development to set those kinds of things up. So I bet it's a, a decision based on resources available. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that they know that people are going to try this game out based on the hype and the expectations they have from other games that Bethesda has done that they don't need to really push the marketing that hard. Mm-hmm. Other, other than just letting people know that, hey, this is available. It's going to be awesome. Here's what's in it. Right. Um, actually giving people hands on. It, it might be and better it, it the idea from a marketing on- standpoint to not do that. So people still have questions. So because they can't wait to get a hands on when it actually is released. That's true, because they don't with Game Pass, they don't need buy in. Like from a, from a cost per, like from a $60 cost perspective, like you can just like get a, you know, if you've never played it before, you can get like a free, you can get a free trial of game pass and try it out in your phone. Like yeah, if you got to yeah. control it, like, well, you, if it comes out on game pass day one, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be out on game pass day one. I'm, I'm curious if it will be or not. I, I think, it, I think it's going to be day one on game pass, but. I am not sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we know for sure. I don't think that they've stated for sure. There's a lot of speculation around it, but. And they may have, and maybe we're just dumb and have forgotten about the things because frankly, they've been talking about this for several years of our life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. That's true. A lot of times, I mean, a game this big, you would expect that they want to actually drive sales first and then put it on game pass once the sales drop to a certain level. That's what I would expect from a marketing standpoint, but that doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but um, we've got some other news. Actually, we've got some uh, s- some fun speculation here. The um, there's another post on Reddit today that uh, actually 23 hours ago, according to right now, so yesterday basically, um, and uh, Chapman Prime raised the question about. Um, and it just posts here. Has anyone talked about how ships are potentially segmented and could detach a smaller module designed to enter and explore a planet's atmosphere and included some pictures, um, some of the ships that we've seen, but specifically with like the nose portion of the ship circled because it looks like it might be a detachable piece that comes off the front of the ship. So the idea here would be you have a like a home ship that stays in orbit that so the whole thing doesn't have to come down to the surface and then you have a detachable kind of landing smaller ship that you would fly down and land and then fly back up to your to your main ship and i think i think logistically that 
that's a really good that's a good job chapman prime i'm, I'm pointing that out i yeah. think that's a that makes a lot of sense from like a how bethesda wants to it seems like wants to do this because if you could just fly your ship you could just land on whatever planet like you could feasibly just pop into the atmosphere and be like i'm landing on this like little you know here's an island i'm just gonna land on it as opposed to like hey we're gonna like you're at the planet now why don't you detach go dock and then it loads the area for the planet right Right. And when you look at the images, the ships when they're in space look very large compared to the size of the ships that we see on the surface of planets. They look like there might be landing size ships that come down. Um, and when you think about it from a gameplay perspective, let's say you're let's let's maybe this has a Mass Effect kind of companion system where you're not just finding one person you know like lydia is going to carry our burdens and she's the one who just follows us around it's me and lydia and our little robot buddy you know like what if the other people you meet end up able to come with you and be part of your your party at large right Mm -hmm. and so the ship is large enough to have placement for each of them everybody can hang out in the main ship but then when you decide to head down to the surface you pick one or two companions that come with you in a smaller craft and I mean, it's been done before in other games. It totally would make sense. Plus, you'd be able to go back up to the main ship, have conversations with everybody else on board, and continue the game from there. I mean, that may, what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and, and I really hadn't considered it of having, you know, like you want to have a home base. Like most, yeah. like most big RPGs, even like classic stuff. Like you have your space. And in Fallout Four, it was it was your settlement. You typically picked a main settlement. I think most people picked a main settlement. Right. It was like this is my like everywhere else. I'm kind of managing, but this one is my place. Uh, similar to like the house update in in Skyrim, um, where you're like, okay, this is my space. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna work with it and kind of improve it. So you're uh, saying that the main ship is going to be like your settlement i think so and that's I, I, and you'll I be able to likely add other little components to it little little docking pods extra extra little things build it out as you go but the people you meet who you would bring back to your settlement in something like fallout 4 now live on your ship i yeah i really like the star trek vibe you're going for it's like a a modular star trek and I, yeah. I am here for that. Yeah, but it totally makes sense, especially if you're going to be, you know, exploring the galaxy to have more than just you and one companion. Mm-hmm. You would want a team of people who are there to help support each other and maintain everything. Otherwise, you know, do can two people take care of themselves well enough? I mean, yeah, in a, in a fun space opera like, you know, Star Wars, you just, you know, you, Mando just flies around by himself, you know, or whatever. But ultimately in something that's more realistic, which they've been shooting for, you would need people on board to manage the engineering, to manage the growing of, of crops and things on the ship so that it feeds everybody. Like, there would be different things everyone does so that, say, the commander of the ship and the, you know, offboarding team is able to go do the things they're doing while everyone else maintains the base and, and is there to help people when they need medical or whatever. Yeah. And they've talked about even the robot um, being able to go out on ground missions, defend itself uh, and even uh, like fly the ship for you. If you need like if you're like, hey, I want to go to this place, but I want to go do these certain things on my ship. It'll just say, OK, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go do I'm going to go fly the fly the ship for you. Yeah. 
So I, I think I think uh, Chapman Prime is on to something. This is a really cool post. If you guys want to go yeah. check it out, it's on it's on Reddit. It's on the Starfield subreddit. It currently has 336 upvotes. I'm giving it another upvote or at least one right there. Upvote. Upvote. Got my upvote. So that's exciting news. Um, in chat, we have uh, some some of our community here with us. Um, let's see. Uh, we did get a confirmation. Gaming channels in chat says, yes, day one on Game Pass. So it was actually confirmed. And I think Dave's right. There's been so much news since then that who knows what that <laughs> I'm like, what does that even actually mean? But eventually we're going to pick up the pieces and it's all going to come together. And that and that is the true Starfield game we will play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. A game says sort of how a freighter acts in No Man's Sky, but with a crew. Really dig that. Yeah, yeah. I think I you think can you can kind cool. of make your own freighter, and, and you have certain modules that you can build. Um, it's it's not that it's not that expansive since it's a sandbox game, uh, but for an RPG system, I think that that would be really cool to see Starfield do that. Right. Um, Elemin B two uh, writes and says, "Can I buy more ships?" I. My guess is that your ship is your home base and you customize it and there's no need to buy a different ship. You just change the way your ship looks. That was that's my guess. But like ship a thesis style. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you deconstruct it entirely and put all new parts on it, it's right. still technically the same ship, but it looks right. wildly different. Or like, like the, the mechanist uh, expansion for Fallout 4, where you can take any of your robot friends and you swap enough body parts and now they're a completely different robot like yeah the, I, I don't know that we will be buying wholesale ships so much as components that swap for different parts like i want these engines now i want this main hangar bay i want you know this docking section of the ship and you can probably swap out those individual parts and then maybe even change the way like the the paint looks on the outside or and kind of customize it a little bit i i think we're probably gonna get something that's a little bit more fallout 4 mechanist style I like that. I like that idea. So again, speculation. This is this is hard speculation. Star facts right here. Star facts right here. Do I even have that on here anymore? On the night of June. Nope, not that one. <laughs> Welcome to the cult of the <laughs> Well, there we go. So, so some of the old sound effects. <laughs> Good. Close enough for horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> Close enough. But um, that's uh, any any other thoughts on this? Because I think that's all we've got for this episode. I I, I think this is all really interesting, and it's kind of giving us a, a preview. Um, I really like these like uh, focused episodes that Bethesda's putting out on their main channel. I think those are really interesting. Um. I'm excited to pour through all the stuff at the showcase. Uh, I think that that's going to be, that's going to be hours and hours and hours of stuff to talk about. Um, and yeah, just really yeah. excited. Yeah. So that again, just a reminder, that's June 12th. So it's coming up in a few weeks. Um, Dave and I are as of right now, going to do the best we can to live stream that uh, either one or both of us at the same time, uh, whoever's available. If we can, you know, you never know when life gets in the way. You never know when but, life gets in the way you hit it with a bat yeah so we'll be doing that and then we'll be following up that live stream commenting on what's going on uh later on and of course you can join us on the robots radio channels those are on twitch and youtube and facebook i, I restream on everything right now so just pick the platform you like come watch us for that in the future we'll, we're going to be trying to do as many of these episodes as we can from this point on if there's news to talk about we're going to play in an episode, so you might get weekly episodes, bi-weekly episodes, and we're just going to keep to that until we actually get legitimate game 
in hand stuff to talk about. And we were talking about this earlier uh, before we, we started the stream. When this game launches in November, the show is going to switch to a very much more lore focused show. We're still going to talk news and stuff when that stuff comes in, but we want to dig into the depths of this game. Dave and I are going to be playing the crap out of it. We're going to bring you all of the details about the planets, the characters, the factions, all of that stuff. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, and, and any of the things hiding in, you know, in the universe that kind of Bethesda likes to draw connections between stuff. And sometimes it takes a little bit of digging to find all that stuff. So we'll be talking about that stuff as well. Um, someday we'll find it. The rainbow connection, the rainbow connection. So stay tuned for that stuff. We're glad you guys are here. Uh, one last question. Good. A game says, is there a Patreon for the Starfield Lorecast? There isn't, isn't yet. Um, but once this show becomes more regular, Dave and I will talk about launching a Patreon and some of the fun things that we can do for the community who wants to support the show. Um, you know, I've, I've done t-shirts for a lot of my other shows and those always go over really well. And so we'll see, we'd love to give you guys stuff uh, to help support us because this is a, this is my full-time job podcasting and Dave does this on the side, but making a little bit of extra income in order to keep this going never hurts. So, um, but thanks everybody for being here. Dave, do you have anything else you want to share before we head out? Uh, yeah, I have a, uh, one of my other projects is I do a, uh, fallout tabletop role-playing podcast where it's an actual play and we're playing the official fallout tabletop game. It is set in new Orleans and has uh, a number of different characters. We're finishing up our first arc, uh, here in a little bit. Uh, we're, I think right now is episode 14 just came out, uh, which is all about, um, a guy, uh, making a brotherhood of steel person very angry by saying that he pees in power armor, which is a lore piece that actually happens you can. and then stealing that power armor. Oh. Uh, so for more antics like that in a tabletop role playing setting, uh, go to rad rolls. It's on all your podcast services. Rad rolls. You go find that. You can find all my shows, all the different lore casts, Elder Scrolls and Fallout and Mass Effect and Cyberpunk and The Witcher on robotsradio.net, all the other shows on the network. And if you are interested in launching your own podcast, we'd love to have you join us. So the Robots Radio Rocket Club is the place where you can join me and a bunch of our other podcasts. And I'm there to help guide you in launching a show and then reaching your goals and trying to get you the best start you could possibly be at for for your own podcast or who knows, revising your existing podcast and helping you out with that as well. So all that stuff over at robotsradio.net. We'll be back hopefully in the next week or two with some more news. We're just waiting to see what else comes out. And uh, that's what we got going on. Thanks for being here, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. you enjoyed this show did you know that parodies are copyright protected tell a friend and review on itunes or other services dave and tom excited for starfield let's all speculate and wear no shoes hey why aren't we wearing any shoes because shoes rhymes with itunes and that's the best i could think of We totally need to update our music. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do it. <laughs>
<laughs> that ending is just so funny. It is. It is pretty funny. Yeah. Once we get to actual like release date, release stuff, stuff we'll, we'll probably we'll update it, make it tighter. We'll be a little bit more serious about stuff. It's um, been on my. Uh, yeah, Dave made it. It's Dave, been on my to do of like. Sometime I'm gonna get around to this. Yeah, Dave made. <laughs> Dave haven't. made the music. That's all, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so funny um well guys thanks for being here i gotta my wife is texting me about what we're doing for dinner and stuff so um get to it gotta go gotta go figure that out so um all right thanks dave thanks everybody we'll see you guys thanks, next buddy. time see you guys